This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Kim Ashton. On this episode of Inside Berkeley, we talked to Melissa Farrick, an associate professor of songwriting at Berkeley. Farrick has been a touring musician ever since she left Berkeley as a student and began singing in clubs in New York City. In 1991, she toured with Morrissey as his opening act and released her first album in 1993. She returned to Berkeley as a faculty member in 2013 and last year released her 17th album called Melissa Farrick. Melissa Farrick, welcome to Inside Berkeley. Thanks a lot for having me. It's great to be here. I'd like to start with some music from your new eponymous album. Uh, could you set us up with the track? Sure. This is a song called Careful, and uh, this is one of the songs that, as songwriters, you kind of wait for, which are songs that kind of come out of nowhere and you don't really have much to do with. It's a, a song I'm really, really proud of, and um, I did a lot of work after I wrote the lyrics down originally, but um, it's just a song about love and about kind of having had a lot of loves um, that taught you how to uh, love <laughs> uh, more full, more fully and more unconditionally and that that's what happened to me last year so this is called Careful Great I want to thank for getting rid of you I'm gonna be Your lyrics are so honest in this song. Uh, how do you get there, and what do you advise students about honesty in their lyrics? Oh, well, that's always, and you know, I have a lot of different types of uh, writers as 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 students that I have in in the songwriting department. Some of them, I think, I think the word's kind of gotten out on campus that I'm the I'm the songwriting teacher to go to if you want to write songs about how you feel. Um, but I do. Um, I do love working with songwriters who are also really pop-driven and want to write songs for other people and, and try to get something in there lyrically that is really authentic and really true and less cliche. And, and how, do you, how do you get there? And a lot of times, in my experience anyway, how, how you get anywhere is, is really, really by starting with the truth and then expanding from there. So I, I prefer to write from a place of something truthful first rather than something... Um, made up. I don't mind getting to something made up if I started with the nugget of this did happen to me or this is a feeling I have experienced. And um, for my own personal albums that I've made and the work that I've put out, most all of the work that I've done has come from really either love or fear, which I, th- which I think most everything does come from those two things. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, they are personal. It's just how I write. I don't, um, I've never been um uh, afraid of of not putting myself in the song or not exposing my own uh, inadequacies or my own faults. Um, I think that that um, it helps me heal and it helps me uh, get better at understanding that um you know I don't I don't need to be the hero in all of my songs and um, I think that that's a good thing. It, it can be um, tiring sometimes on an album. Like I, I definitely think that. I know that I've grown as a writer and as an artist because I I will now put a record out that doesn't have like 11 songs of sadness, but, you know, I might have four songs of sadness or, or, you know, uh, deep, deep thought about oneself, you know, and that can get really tiring. Um, So I've I've really been trying to shift my my writing into more of an outward focus. And um, so, yes, this thing happened. And yes, I feel sad about it. Or yes, I was deeply moved by this experience, whatever that experience was. But then how does that um, reflect on on the world as a whole? Or how does this reflect on other people? And do other people feel this way, too? And I think that that once I once I hit about 38, I'm 45 now. But once I hit about 38, 
it was kind of like a big realization that, um, which sounds funny now, but was it was like a realization that like, oh, other people feel this way too. I just was so insulated from uh, years and years of touring uh, solo and, and being on the road. Um, it was difficult to have any relationships at all or community. And that's one of the things that um, I love the most about being here at Berkeley as, um, as a faculty member and uh, having the students that I have is that um, I've, I've made friends and created community here. And that's for someone that's a, a solo singer-songwriter, you know, other people that have jobs like that are like truck drivers, you know, people who kind of spend enormous amounts of time alone traveling. Um, it's a, it can take a toll on you and it can cause you to feel like you, you are alone. And that um, I think I, I do hear that really in my in my in my work from my early thirties those those records so those are hard for me to listen to now because I know I was deeply sad but um uh, but it's nice to go through that too you know um, it's odd I think that as an artist it's like I try to tell my students this like when when you put a record out it's out you know what I mean you can't you can't take it back and um, some students get really gun shy of putting anything out at all because they want it to be perfect or they want it to be just right, you know, and they want the songs to make sense together. And 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 while they're waiting around for something to, for this to be perfect, um, time is going by and they're writing more new. They're writing new songs and and uh, so I try to really encourage my students to to put the, to put songs out and to put their music out there. Uh, obviously, not too early, but but not too late because as we grow up. And as we become better writers, if we don't let our audience see our early work, we'll never have any early work, you know? It's that mm -hmm. old saying of, like, you could be the greatest writer in the world and never let anyone read your stuff and no one would ever know, you know? So um, for some reason, I was born with a brazenness that uh, I, I just put stuff out, you know, way, way earlier than I probably should have. But I'm much better at uh, at editing my own process now and, and, and having a better what kind of a wider angle view of my own work. To have... My, my material out there at such a young age and have people kind of following me from record to record to record and because the material was so personal it has caused me to have a fan base that is uh, uh, that feels very connected to me um, because they feel as if they have been following my my personal life uh, you know through these songs Another song in which you talk about something very personal and close to you is Scenic View, in which you talk about being openly gay. Can you talk about what inspired this song? Yeah, sure. Scenic View and Careful are probably my two favorites. Well, there's another song on this record called Relief that I also really love a lot and am proud of. But Scenic View was um, originally written uh, for this. All the songs on this record were written within a, within a very short period of time, probably six months or seven months. And... Um, I, j I had an experience where I w uh, felt uh, discriminated against and not accepted, and um, that just so rarely happens to me um, because of the world that I live in and the people that I surround myself with and the place I work, you know. So, um, I, I and I hang out with mostly artists, you know. So um, and and liberal-minded people who are accepting, and I live in the state of Massachusetts, you know. So, uh, so I just um, was so kind of shocked that that I was having this moment of like, well, what do you mean? You don't uh, think that it's okay with you. It's not okay with you that I, uh, that I'm with a woman. Um, so that was really surprising. And um, so I started to write scenic view. And I also, but I will say I was also at a point where um, the teaching 
job here at Berkeley uh, pushed up against my touring schedule um, has been very difficult to navigate. And, and um, the college has been so awesome with me and, and my department chair, Bonnie Hayes, has been so awesome as far as like um, really nurturing my teaching and allowing me to still play and, and travel a lot. Um, so I was I was kind of at a place where I was thinking, well, am I going to tour anymore? Am I going to, am I really going to still, you know, go fly to the West Coast and do, you know, am I going to be able to play 150 to 200 shows a year while I'm teaching? I'm, I'm probably not, you know, and so what does that mean? And that's a real, um, it's a real moment, I think, in any artist's life when they kind of move into another phase of, of their work, um, which I can talk to my students about, but you really you really don't know it till you've been there. It's kind of one of those things where you change what you do, and um, so that was difficult. So there's a there's a lyric in Scenic View um, where it says, "I'm going to step up onto the stage, go ahead, throw that throw a spotlight right into my face because I am not hiding. I do not need a break. So go ahead and look at me." And I and I remember writing that lyric and thinking that that was that was more. A, a statement for me for myself to say this is who I am right now and this is where I am whether it's uh, in a classroom or as an aunt or a daughter or you know at you know at all right um, or as a performer um, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be and um, and I'm cool with it and then the the bridge happened which came from this discrimination I'm sure and the lyric is uh, people who don't want to see our happiness I suspect are deeply sad um, people who sit in judgment of us are twisting words to justify the stance that love is wrong. And um, I actually, when the record came out, it came out right after gay marriage was um, passed um, nationally. Um, and I found that to be really striking because I, 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 didn't, I didn't anticipate, uh, A, the song to be anthemic and to mean uh, something for the GLBTQ community. Um, and it does, and it, and it has reverberated and it continues to grow. Actually, we're making a, a music video uh, for that song right now, actually, in the next month or two. All right, well, let's take a listen to Scenic View. Cool. Go ahead, throw a spotlight right into my face. been really embraced by the LGBT community. Do you feel a sense of responsibility because of that? Response? Yes, I think I do. Um, yeah, do I feel a response? I do. I feel a responsibility to stay informed and to stay um, as current as I can, particularly with trans issues and um, and subjects and uh, use of pronouns and what kids are going through and um, changes in our vocabulary. Um, I think that it is my responsibility. I think it's everybody's responsibility, um, but I, I'm not in charge of anybody else but me. So I, I do. I try to stay um, on top of that. I try to stay in communication with people who are younger than me, who are out, and who um, who identify as GLBT um, uh, or even just queer, um, uh, and my straight friends too. You know, uh, who identify as straight. Um, so yeah, I I, I do think it's a responsibility to stay informed I don't um I've lived as an out uh woman for a very very long time I mean I came out to my parents when I was 16 um and uh 
you know, um, my parents knew. I remember when I came out to them, my mother said, I knew it was either that you were gay or that you were, I, I thought it was either going to be that you were gay or that you wanted to quit high school. So, you know, <laughs> so I was obviously struggling. And, you know, when I was here as a student at Berkeley, um, we had Bugle. Um, and there were, I was the only woman that went, and there were four um, young men. And uh, so there was a very, very small hidden community here. You talked a little bit about um, the struggle between touring and working at Berkeley. Yeah. Can you tell me what you bring from the road into your classrooms? Oh, gosh, so much. Um, <laughs> well, I think I do. So I, you know, as an independent songwriter and touring artist, um, I've owned and my own record label since 2000. So it's 2016 now. I put records out for a couple of years on another indie label in the middle of that, but um, it, it's everything. I, I do everything from advance my own shows to update my Reverb Nation profile to um, I copyright my songs through the Library of Congress. I attain ISRC codes and attach them to my uh, digital uh, work before it's released. I have a distribution deal with Orchard. I have a lawyer in New York that I deal with when I need to because they're very expensive, but my lawyer is very good. I do, so I, I am I am a, a business person who runs a label and has to keep all of my business stuff as organized and as, as uh, cleaned up as, as possible. And I'm also an artist, so I need to find time to write and record and co-write and um, and also I need to find time to just and then I'm a teacher and but in, in the fourth element is probably the most important element which is that I need to find time to just um, marinate <laughs> you know as a writer um, uh, yes I sit down and I do writing you know I mean I do that that kind of uh, you know instilled well if you wrote for 20 minutes if you do your morning pages you know and and like, yeah, I do them sometimes, but I don't do them every day. And what I find is that when I am suddenly writing, it is that. It's I'm suddenly writing, you know. And I, I heard the other day, you know, if, if, if you were a scientist or if you were a – I'm reading this book, When Breath Becomes Air, which is this wonderful memoir, and the guy is a brain surgeon. And, you know, if, if he suddenly had to leave a meeting because he had to go do brain surgery, everybody would be like, oh, of course, you know, go ahead. But if you said uh, you, that you suddenly needed to leave a meeting because you needed to go write a poem, people would <laughs> look at you like you were a lunatic. And um, and I really, I feel that, you know, I feel like when the muse hits, you know, uh, when the daemons come out of the walls, um, you know, I have to honor that. And so finding time to just live and uh, view life, sit, watch people um, exist uh, is really a huge part of a writer's job. Do you think it's harder now for artists to find that time for themselves? Because like you said earlier, there's they're doing so much. They're doing the promotion, they're doing social media, and they have to sort of spread themselves so thin. Do they have time to kind of reflect and really be songwriters and, and artists? No, I don't think there's, especially our students. I mean, they're so busy. I mean, I thought Berkeley was hard when I was here in the late 80s and early 90s. It's so hard now. Um it's an incredible curriculum, um, and it takes an enormous amount of uh, work and and, um, and showing up. I have tons of respect for our students. Um, there is a ton of stuff about songwriting that I can teach, but I also think there's a ton that I can teach just about um, communicating with another human being uh, in out loud in a room face-to-face, -face, which is new for these uh, students that we have, and um, sharing their material and finding more and more that uh, my students are afraid of 
saying out loud the words they have written. Um, and I find that kind of shocking, but but then I don't because of all of the uh, all of the, the you know the, the internet wall that they have up in front of them that is this kind of invisible protection. Um, so it's it's harder for students to um, sit and you know to, to speak out loud in front of each other what what they're writing about or a free write or a song even. So the more I can kind of get them comfortable with that, I feel like that's a really good thing to, to instill because it will help them even just you know, talk to someone when they're walking down the street. Well, Melissa Farrick, thanks for joining us at Inside Berkeley. Anytime. Thanks for having me. This episode was engineered by student Steve Shaw in partnership with The Burn. I'm Kim Ashton for Inside Berkeley.